Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. This is Dominic here with Kyle at halftime of this ridiculous first half. How are you doing? Uh, trying to keep my heart in check right now. I don't think any of us would have predicted a four-goal first half, but um, I mean, it's it's been exciting. It's been a great atmosphere, and I think that you know the team wants to keep it going. And we were talking, it's you know maybe an A for the for the offense and an F for the defense right now, but. I think if our defense can tighten it up, there's more goals to be had in this game, and I think Phoenix has a few left in them, at least a couple. I love what I'm seeing from all the attackers, Asante, Drogba, but our defense just has to get it together, right? Yeah, they just need to tighten it up. For me, they've been playing way too compact, allowing Swope to play out on the wings and cross balls into the box, and it's just been, been really tough. Especially, you know, we have Tristan Blackman back, and he's back in the fold, you know, but he has been out for a little while and hasn't been with the club, so maybe that's wearing into it, but he's a quality player. I expect Rick Schantz to get the defense in check and just keep doing what we're doing on offense. I mean, when we have the ball and we've been moving it, you know, with our feet, it's been great. I mean, we've seen quality opportunities through the middle and, you know, being crossed into the box, so I think we just need to keep it going. And Drogba's on a yellow. Do you think that changes things at all? I, I think it does. I think eventually we need to see Gladstone Iwako come on and see his presence in the match because you don't want to see a Drogba red card or, you know, have something you know crazy happen and end up impacting a future match. So we need to, we need to be careful. He needs to be careful especially because we all know how into it he can get with the referee sometimes. Last second prediction. I'm thinking we got this in extra time, like a 3-2 or a 4-3. What about you? I was actually thinking a 4-3 repeat of the scoreline here in Phoenix last season, so let's go 4-3. In, in regular or extra? Probably extra time. It's looking like it. It's going to be one of those nights that... They're wearing those spooky orange and black kits. Uh, what yeah. can you do? Yeah, exactly. We got to slay the dragon. All right, thanks, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Scenes here at the Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex after we get a big 4-2 win. Goals from Kavan Lambert and Didier Drogba cement this win. How are you feeling right now? Uh, no words, honestly. I mean, if you just look at where this franchise has come over the past two seasons, I mean, it's it's a fairy tale. And for Drogba to score that goal in the 90th, undefeated on dollar beer night. 9-0-0. 9-0-0. I have confirmation from Sam Dorr that Phoenix hosts next week, Friday night, dollar beer night again. So, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Down with Orange County. We're all Reno fans for the next 24 hours. Oh, yeah. If you don't like $1 beers, what do you love in this world? Yeah, you have no soul because the Phoenix Rising team left it out on the field. I mean, this match just had drama written all over it from the get-go. And in the first half, to have that tense 2-2 start and just to see Phoenix come out, quick start in the second half. Lambert get that goal and just hold on with amazing That resiliency, man! We were down 2-1! We talked about it. The defense got an F in the first half, but they got an A-plus in the second half. They tightened that shit up, Here's and it looked right great. Here. Let's greet them!
those sounds here. The whole team just saluted the fans. The fans saluting the players. Great stuff. Are we going all the way or what? Are you, how can we not at this point? I mean, the cards were stacked against us down 2-1 after two quick goals from Swope. And like you said, the resiliency. I mean, I like our chances even on the road. I think OC's got to be scared right now because looking at Phoenix, either team that comes out of that match, they're going to have a really tough opponent in Phoenix. We're flying high right now. All right, that's going to do it from here. Good luck on the pod, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hello, everybody. This is Aaron Blau with the Rising as One podcast. I'm here with Kyle Mackey as we're going to go through a very exciting weekend, a recap of a very exciting weekend for Phoenix Rising, uh, as well as give you a little bit of a preview for the upcoming Western Conference final match for Phoenix Rising against Orange County SC, which is going to happen in Orange County next Saturday. Uh, Kyle, how you doing, my man? Uh, you know, I'm doing great. Um, just an amazing match this past Friday. I mean, I'm still, you know, we're recording here on Sunday night, and I'm still recovering, getting my voice back, because I was, you can ask Dominic, and I don't know if you'll be able to hear it in the recordings that he put together. Um, my voice was so hoarse. I was just screaming, screaming my ass off on Friday night. Uh, but it's just an amazing match. I mean, we'll get into it. But, you know, I'm doing well, and we got another match to play this week. So we've been doing something right. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and, and uh, we'll kind of head into the match. Uh, our the Firebird Soccer Preview, uh, prepared by Mark Murray, had a couple great keys to the game uh, that I wanted to bring up, and we'll talk about talk a little bit about how uh, those goal, those uh, keys were achieved and uh, what they contributed essentially to to the final score. Um, in in the match preview, Mark talked about having a tidy start, having a very clean first 20 minutes of the match, uh, in order to uh, really have a good feeling out process uh that's essentially what we did against timbers too worked out very very well and the question was will phoenix stay organized while keeping tabs on those really major scoring uh scoring risks uh in carlton belmar and tyler blackwood second major key had to do with the midfield was the art was the midfield especially uh kevon lambert was he going to be able to step up and fill that role that he and james musa uh together have been working toward for uh, the past several months. He's uh, got some good aggressiveness. Was Lambert going to be able to match up well against Swole Park? And then finally, and this was my big point, was composure and cleanliness. This referee uh, has had a hit, had a bit of a history. He had I. Uh, I've, found he had four, about 45 appearances. In those 45 appearances, he'd given 170 cautions with 10 ejections. Now, two of those were double yellows, but still, that, that is a pretty, pretty strong level of dis- discipline from the referee. And it's felt for the past, uh, well, pretty much as long as Didier Drogba has been on the team, that when we have referee issues, the team plays on, on a tilt. And the referee gets into their mind and uh, causes a uh, starts becoming a third opponent almost, um, and, and uh, that's what Coach Chance had to say and, and comment on toward the end of the season. Uh, this referee, uh, being so discipline heavy, was he going to put the the team on tilt, or were they going to be able to keep their composure? So, in in talking about those keys, uh, let let's head on into. Uh, where the match actually took us. We started out with a uh, virtually the same lineup that we had for the pri- previous game, except, bum ba 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 we had a, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to call him a savior by any means, but we had a surprise appearance that showed up as I was tracking and tracing through uh, Instagram. Uh, I saw Tristan Blackman posted on October 25th, that he was flying into Phoenix. And uh, the question was, was he going to get the start? Um, Of course he did. 
Uh, he did end up getting the start. So we saw Wazinski, Dia, Farrell, Blackman, Abdul Salam, Lambert, and Fernandez getting his seg uh, second straight start as well. Uh, with Johnson, Drogba, Asante, and Cortez. Boy, Kyle, I'll tell you, Black having Blackman on that back line, even though he only had, I think, two days to practice with the team, really feels like it made a difference. What did you see from your perspective? I, I mean, I think I think he did make uh, a big difference, especially in those first 20 minutes, like you talked about. Um, our back line was able to really just shut down any good opportunities that Swope were able to create. Um, I mean, just great to be able to get him back in time, especially, you know, when LAFC themselves were fighting to get that, you know, first round by in playoffs. So I was really surprised to see him out there, but I, I feel like his familiarity with the club and him being here for a good good part of the late part of the season, it really you know helped. I feel like with the chemistry with Joe Farrell there back in the center, um, it was just great to see them both out there. And yeah, you touched on it. I mean, he had a really solid solid outing. I thought. And while I really do enjoy watching Mike Defon play, and he looked absolutely fantastic in his new uh, Banditos jersey. Uh, shout out to that Banditos. Your guys' new new uh, sh uh, swag, those new jerseys just looked awesome. I've said it a, a bunch of times to them in person. Uh, but uh, they did give up one of their jerseys to Mike Defont. Uh Mike did did uh, get traded, uh, did have to sit in favor of Blackman in this case. But Blackman, look, he, he is an MLS-quality player and really absolutely did make a difference on that back line. Um, I, I would also say, as we come into the end of the season, came into the last couple months of the season, the real star of the defense, and I'm just going to th throw it out there, the real star of the defense is Peter Ramage. Uh, Peter Ramage coming in, I, I've said it before on the podcast, coming in as an assistant coach uh, has really made a huge, huge difference to have a dedicated defensive mind back there. Uh, and I think all those guys on the back line really felt that uh, having somebody who was, a, who was one of their guys uh, coaching them, they've really responded well. What, what do you think about that, Kyle? You hit the nail on the head, and I, I think it's – I think that uh, Peter Ramage, Rambo, he's he's able to hold these players accountable. You know, they, they respect him, and, they, you know, a few of them played with him last season, so they have that experience with him. They know the knowledge that he has between the ears. I mean, he's played for some huge clubs, um, Newcastle United, you know, one of the biggest. And, I mean, he like you said, he has a wealth of knowledge, and since he's come into the team as an assistant coach – our defensive record has just been amazing. And, um, I mean, we really showed it against Swope. I think the, the first goal was a bit of a missed opportunity um, on the defensive part, but I think they really tightened it up because, I mean, when, when we saw some goals early on, it looked like it could have been, you know, a wide-open match, and that was not the case. So, uh, you know, credit to Peter Ramage for being able to get these guys in check when, yeah, I'm sure emotions were quite high. Yeah, so let's head on into the game. So uh, very similar to the Timbers game. Um, now, I showed up a little bit late because I actually forgot some of my camera gear at my house. And when I usually arrived <laughs> two hours early to the match and uh, had to instead drive to Gilbert and drive back and wait in that line, is something I will never, ever, ever do again. Uh, just so that you know, fans, we do have a confirmation from uh, Jose Bosch uh, saying that the uh, front office is looking at the ingress-egress situation with that one entrance to the stadium. Uh, and having been caught in that, uh, I'm looking forward to some sort of solution because that was a, it, was, it was really, really tough to get in there. And on a Friday night when it's a work day, um, trying to get into that stadium, man, it, it, it was a tough one. But let's move on to what actually happened on the field. Uh, so that first 20 minutes, a lot of feeling out going on. Uh, nothing too terribly exciting, and in and until uh, the 23rd minute, where Jason Johnson is able to get the ball, uh, coming off of Solomon Asante, he's nutmegs the defender, puts it to the back post, and is really awesome. Let's let's see if I can pull this pull this here really quick. Storm lets it run a 
and I'll tell you, uh, the 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 call said Phoenix asking questions, and we definitely got an answer with that goal. What did you see from the the supporter section there? I I mean, it w- it was an insane goal. I was with Dominic in the supporter section right there, and um, I mean, just a moment of brilliance from Jason Johnson being able to nutmeg the defender and and then just take the ball with space and um, to that far right corner, the kind of bit of curve that it had on it. I mean, it was just a beautiful goal. And I feel like at that point, as you said, there really wasn't much to write home about. Neither team had had a great, you know, goal scoring opportunity. And um, Johnson, you know, just saw, saw one that he could take for himself and he took it. And I mean, it's been great to see him get back into goal scoring form because he's been such a threat for Phoenix and though he hasn't had as many goals this year, I think a lot of our goal-scoring opportunities go through him. And I think in that situation, even had he not scored, had the keeper had to make a save and the ball possibly come back out, someone else could have put the ball in the back of the net. So just great on him for taking the shot there. Two goal, two games, two uh, two straight goals in those games. I mean, that just really, really fantastic. Um, of course, we're all excited. Everybody's getting hyped up. The smoke is still in the stadium. Um, and Swope Park just takes takes the air out of us just about three minutes later. Uh, un- really unlucky de- deflection, but Carlton Belmar, very, very talented player. Uh, definitely uh, one of the um, more disliked players on the supporter side due to, due to uh, some behavior earlier in the season. Uh, slides across in the edge of the box. Uh, Joe Farrell misses the clearance, and uh, it bounces off Abdul Salam deflecting the ball off to Tyler Blackwood. Tyler Blackwood, uh, one of the more favored players here in Arizona, uh, favored non-rising players here in Arizona due to his service for Arizona United, who sticks the ball out, redirects it in the back of the net, and uh, then we're sad for a couple minutes there. A little bit of a defensive lapse, but the ball's pinballing, and uh, nobody was able to get a clean clearance. to add to that, um, to add to the, the misery that that, that, that caused, uh, just a couple minutes later, we have a, uh, a beautiful cross and headed finish from Haji Berry, uh, from, again, Belmar on a Belmar assist. Um, definitely, at this point, we're down 2-1, to one, and I'm a little bit concerned. What was, the, what was going on in supporter section at that point? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, reminiscent of last year in Swope. We go up and have this great opportunity, and then, you know, Swope gets one goal very quickly, and then the second, and I, I mean, it, it. I I don't know if it took the wind out of the sails. It definitely didn't out of the Banditos and the Red Fury, but I think a lot of fans at that point were like, damn, this isn't, you know, this isn't going to be a blowout like we expected. This is going to be a tough match. But honestly, at that point, I really wasn't deterred. I knew that, yeah, this was going to be a 3-2, a 4-3 at that point. I knew there was a lot of goals to be had. Both teams were just going all out for it. Um, going back to the goals that Swope scored against us, like you said, just just unlucky um, and yet a little bit of a breakdown. You wonder if you know if Mike DeFont had been in there, if him and Joe Farrell had maybe been able to prevent that, that first goal. But like we said, we really can't look back on that. And the defense did their best after those two goals were conceded. Me and Dominic talked about it at halftime. Defense maybe wasn't the best in the first half, but that second half, they tightened it up. So great to see improvements from them. But, I mean, just the resolve from this team, you know, we continued to push that entire second half, and, you know, eventually we were rewarded for it. Absolutely. And I definitely agree with you on that. You know, when you got guy, when you have DeFont and Farrell playing and they have good chemistry, and then we have, we have to have Blackwood in, uh, who again, very very talented player, but he did, he only had I think probably two practices or a, one practice and a walkthrough uh, to to be able to sort of jump back in the mix. But he definitely was able to answer. So um, Drogba uh, gets the team. Hey guys, we got plenty of time. We're only you know we still got 60 minutes to play. We got a lot of game to go, um, and he really he makes just an awesome awesome play. Um, where he's able to pick the ball up off of the end line and put a cross onto the foot of Chris Cortez. Let's see if we can take a listen to that real quick.
And uh, with that goal, Chris Cortez becomes the uh, the leader for goals in uh, uh, for Phoenix Rising players. Uh, surpasses uh, Long Tan, also known as Tan Long, uh, as the the team's leading scorer. Uh, so congratulations to him. That was just awesome and really great to be able to see Drogba playing in a playmaker role. You know, they, they shifted him from the number nine to the number 10. Um, and he, he was really made that play. And uh, as we've talked about all season long, just put the ball at the foot of Chris Cortez and the ball's going to go in the back of the net. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. It is. It's exactly what we talked about, like you said, and to see Drogba finally, you know, making that big impact that we've all been wanting in the number ten role. Um, and I mean, just Chris Cortez to have the presence and awareness. You know, we've seen it this season when he's getting quality service into the box, when he's getting touches on the ball. That ball's finding the back of the net, and he, you know, right there, just great. Great goal, you know, great composure to finish it. I think a lot of times guys might get a little too excited and put their foot into it and end up sending the ball over the net. Chris didn't do that. He just directed it into the back of the net. And, you know, awesome to see that. And for me, when when we were able to equalize 2-2 before the half, that really solidified in my mind that Phoenix had a great chance to go out and win this match because a lot of times we would see that maybe we don't get that goal then it gets late in the second half and we just keep pushing and expose ourselves to an opportunity on the back end. So really great to be able to get back on level terms going into halftime. Absolutely. And uh, as, as we head into half, uh, the crowd announced it's 7,700. Believe I actually believe that, that, that it was 7,700. Sometimes I'm not so uh, positive about the uh, the uh, the. Uh, crowd numbers that get released but uh you know everybody was still motivated everybody was still in it uh and phoenix rising came out very very fast uh and here we're able to see the unsung hero of of probably the last third of the season maybe not so unsung i mean he's really uh, uh we've talked about it several times and and he really has turned it on so much uh, in Kev in kevon lambert here yeah, no, and I, I, come on, Lambert. I mean, we've relied on him so heavily throughout the season. He doesn't play a glamorous position. I think that's why we, you know, don't talk about him as much as you know, we'd like to. But when he gets forward, I was talking to it with Dominic in the supporter section. He has such long legs, and he has such a stride that he's able to move forward with the ball, and it barely even looks like he's running. But he gets forward with it, and we've seen that he has the ability to score goals. And it maybe, you know, he got a little fortunate to get a deflection there, and the ball ends up sailing over everyone into the back of the net. But just taking the shot, um, I love it. You know, early on in the second half, too, to be able to get that goal. I mean, that was just putting wind in Phoenix's sails, and I mean, just got the fans so fired up. At that point, the Banditos and the Red Fury were just ready to get those coordinated chants going. And I mean, that really just, I feel like that just started Phoenix's engine, and it just kept going from there. I got to tell you, I, I have two um, two observations from that goal. First of all, you're exactly right. I mean, that it was an incredibly uh, fortunate deflection that was hap that that happened there, um, and I ha I had a photo from on the side, and you're just looking and. It's Drogba and and two of the Swo uh, Drogba, Drogba and Dick, the uh, goalkeeper, and one of the other Swo players, and they're just watching the ball go in. And Drogba's face is like, "Woo!" <laughs> I mean, he. Uh, and of course, uh, we had a great backflip celebration that came over, and Drogba came over and just gave this gave this guy a hug. And I gotta tell you, uh, 40 years old, this guy loves to play soccer, and he loves his teammates. I mean. Uh, Lambert is, I believe, maybe 20 years old. I was gonna say, I think he what he start when he started with us, he was 19. I think he is 20. He's yeah, 20 or 21. He's so right he, so here you you have literally a guy on the field at 21 years old, and the guy, the first guy to go give him a hug, the first guy to go congratulate him, could literally be his father. I mean, that's the the age difference, but the excitement is on 
is equal on both sides. They were both stoked. Uh, and, and to be able to see Drogba's excitement and his ability to still um, to still really keep going after having such a long, long career, that's one of those things we were hoping to see from an Omar Bravo last season that he just never was able to get it going. But every time you're watching Drogba play, you just know how much he cares about his teammates. These, there's, he has no reason to care about these guys. I mean, he could be like Zlatan. Zlatan says, "Oh, these players, they play for Zlatan. They don't play for Galaxy. They only play for Zlatan." But that's not, that's not at all true for Drogba. Drogba is a leader on this team, and uh, I was really concerned about what he was going to be like when he came back from uh, announcing the World Cup, and and how long it took him to get match fit, and what his role was going to be on the team. And as we're heading into the playoffs, we really see what his experience, uh, his past experience, what it's bringing to the table as as Phoenix is moving itself through these playoffs. It's just fantastic to watch. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I mean, I think it's great to see Drogba in that almost a big brother type role, you know, to where these younger guys, they're like his younger brothers, you know, he cares about them. He wants to see them succeed. You know, and they have those good kinds of bonds together. And um, like you said, he's still doing it at such a high level. And, I mean, he has a great passion for the game. And I think in this type of format, in a cup run, he is such a huge asset to have because he has the experience of winning a trophy at the highest level of club football in the UEFA Champions League. So, I mean, he's been there, seen it, and done it. So if there's anyone you want on your team coming into – you know, a playoff-type tournament like this, it's Didier Drogba. We have him on our side right now. I think it's it's just going to be huge. And, um, I mean, we've seen him each game, I feel like, since he's come back from the World Cup, his impact on the team has grown bit by bit. And I think these past couple matches, it's been growing, you know, by quite a bit. So I'm just I'm so excited to see this next week in Orange County because, um, I mean, he's had a – big impact in matches in Orange County history before, so I think uh, we should hopefully get to see that again. Yeah, and, and we haven't really been talking too much else on, on in terms of on the defensive side, but here we are. We're, we're, we're at 3-2. to two. Um, There's still a lot of nerves. I mean, Swope got off 14 shots. Six of them were on target. So this was not a cakewalk by any means, and, and they kept, kept things running. But Noted by Mark Murray in in the Firebird Soccer wrap up, uh, Swope only had two of the shot two shots in the box in the last forty minutes of the game. Uh, so our defense, our the mid midfielder uh, Kevon Lambert, Colin Fernandez, everybody was playing at a very high level, and pretty much everybody played the whole game. We used one substitute in the entire match. Billy Forbes came in for Jason Johnson in the 92nd minute. Everybody played over 90 minutes, uh, except, obviously, except, well, no, everybody played for over 90 minutes except for Billy Forbes, uh, who only got a couple minutes in, but he even had a little bit of an effect. Um, of course, one, we'll, we'll just talk about the one final, final goal real quick um, as... Chris Cortez. So this whole thing, this whole final goal in basically dead time at the end, at the end of the match is kicked off by Chris Cortez running from the center of the field to the edge having a slide tack uh, uh, showing a slide tackle that nobody in their right mind in the 93rd minute of a match would do normally he's able to poke the ball off to Asante Asante's got a mile and a half of open green grass to look at uh, and places the foot at Didier Drogba for where I, I'm not going to put it out there but you know if he doesn't score another goal this could be the easiest goal that he's ever scored in his entire career for his fight you know what what it would maybe his final goal i'm hoping it's not his final goal but if it was it's the easiest one he ever got but just talking about chris cortez 
we usually say, you know, ah, oh, he's kind of slow. Sometimes his feet look like they're in concrete. He hauled ass uh, to make this play happen and to really put the nail in the coffin uh, for this team. He he wanted that slide tackle so bad, uh, and it was it was pretty awesome. Tell us what was going on across the field in the Salt River end. Uh, I mean, madness, but going back to Chris Cortez's effort, um, I mean, he knew the situation. It was 3-2. There was still plenty to be had by Swope. All they needed was a quick goal right at the death. I mean, Chris Cortez was there last season at Swope. He remembers the playoff defeat. So I think he knew right there what he had to do. He had to get back and do whatever he could to take the ball away. And um, he did, and he's able to get it to Asante. And like you said, he covers a mile and a half in about a half second, it seems like. I mean, he just glides down that sideline and puts the ball into Drogba. It's, it's a tap-in for Drogba, but I think it was a bigger deal just because of the situation that he's in. That, yeah, this could – every match could be his last match. His, his, you know, his games are numbered. We all know now. So it's being able to see him get, you know, the proper kind of send off that we've all wanted. It's, it's great to see, and you know, being able to seal up the match like that gives Swope absolutely no hope. Um, I mean, it was great in the Salt River end. I mean, the beers were flying, water bottles too. I mean, it was, it, it, it started raining for the next probably minute or two, and then uh, proceeded by clouds of smoke. And you know, that didn't let up, you know, till the match you know, cleared out. Um, it, it was just insane. It, I think everyone was just, you know, besides themselves and just the dream was finally being realized. And speaking to Drogba's leadership, he scores that goal. He runs over to the corner. Not only do all of his on-the-field teammates uh, run over there, but all of the off-the-field teammates. I mean, all Alessandro Rigi, who wasn't in, you know, wasn't in the 18, he's, he's injured, is running over there to jump on the pile. I mean, everybody just went crazy. Uh, the owners were right over there. Frankie Munez was over there. Archie Bradley was over there. Everybody's over there in that corner piling on. Uh, Drogba uh, gets up, gives... Uh, gives our uh, our owners a hug, gives Berge Bakai a big hug, um, and really shows shows a lot of respect to, to the ownership as well. Uh, so what a fitting um, what a fitting end to that match. It, the the excitement was just um, you just you'd be a very, very wealthy man if you're a, if you were ever able to take that excitement, stick it in a bottle and sell it. Uh, it was just insane, and it's one thing you have one perspective because you were over in the supporter section. I was on the field, so when Drogba went and slid, and all the players went and jumped on him, I that was almost right in front of me. And typically for a Phoenix Rising match, we have uh, two to three team photographers, two maybe two photographers like me covering for Firebird Soccer, maybe an Arizona Republic photographer. We had about, there, there must have been 10 outside photographers there, and we were all right there. And uh, when he ran over there, all the other photographers sprinted over. I didn't want to get in. And actually, one of the other photographers, as he's running over, he just bit it, uh, tripped right next to me, and, and his feet went face first into the grass. Um, I, I looked down just a little bit because I'm shooting you know, a million pictures a minute to try and get as much as I can. So the, the excitement was just everywhere from, from the field up to the, the, up to the suites, and uh, it was just a fantastic night. I could not go home. Uh, hopefully my wife doesn't hear this in the other room, but I couldn't go home. Um, I stuck it in, in the stadium as long as I could, then went out for a drink with uh, Kevin Gates of the PRFC fan show, um, and, and we stayed out and just talked and just felt awesome afterward. Uh, I, I don't know how long the Banditos hung out in the parking lot there, probably until, uh, until they were forced out too, but it, it was just an exciting night. Um, and being an old man myself, now that I'm 39 years old, my birthday was last week. Uh, now that I'm uh, an old man, being staying out till 12:30 at night, that that that's quite late for me anyway. <laughs> um, what did you What did you guys do afterward? Yeah, me me and my uh, my friend and my girlfriend, we actually went to 
we went to this uh, bar up here by my house in the West Valley and went and had a few drinks just to, you know, kind of celebrate and then ended up coming back home. I It actually didn't take me too long to get out of the parking lot because I stayed till oh, maybe about 30 minutes after the match. And it seemed like at that point a good amount of people had cleared out. And it took me maybe 15 minutes to get out. And um, I mean, just so hyped. It, it, like you said, it, the energy um, just couldn't go to sleep after that match. You know, my voice was hoarse, but my my heart was still pumping. It was just, you know, so excited. Almost didn't even feel. It felt surreal, you know. And it was one of those things that I think nobody wanted to leave the soccer complex because uh, we didn't know, you know if we were going to be back and be able to have this kind of match again. And um, just insane, absolute scenes. And I mean, you just couldn't ask for anything better when Phoenix had been, you know pushed phoenix rising so much in the local media this week you know so many spots on the radio and on the news and bringing you know the six-year-old teddy out to the match and him, you know his first professional soccer match just everything seemed to go right for phoenix rising on this night and it, like you said it's one of those things that if you could put it in a bottle and sell it you'd be a billionaire and um i mean phoenix rising definitely has something i think that we could definitely expect to see a match or two like this every season because this club right now is just, they're doing something amazing. Yeah, so I wanted to <clears throat> take a run back to our keys of the match and just say, hey, um, uh, our first key was a tidy start, absolutely. 20 minutes, no no big errors, handle Carlton Belmar, Tyler Blackwood, um, although after the first, just after the first 20 minutes when we had our lapses, but that's okay. Midfield played strong, Kevon Lambert, again, still showing us that he is a, he is a true international player, uh, and uh, just awesome to be able to, to see his success. I'm going to be a big fan of the Jamaican national team uh, for as long as he's on it. And composure and cleanliness, and one thing I do want to make, make mention of, somebody did mention something about this on Twitter, said this is probably one of the best officiated matches that they had seen the entire year from a USL ref. Uh, so I had a lot of concerns about the, you know, the ref and, and his level of discipline, uh, but it, it really was clean. There was nothing to, th nobody even thought about him. Uh, there wasn't a lot of arguments. And from my perspective, um, he did have, he did give out a couple cards here or there, but nothing that actually uh, interfered with the match too much. Uh, I was a little concerned with Drogba getting a yellow card at the 29th minute. I thought it would be a little bit embarrassing if Drogba uh, got a red card in the last home match, but uh, especially because he can be fiery toward the end. Um, but everything was really, really clean. Two yellow cards, one for Rising, one for Swope. Uh, reasonable number of fouls, good foul calls, no, not a lot of booing. Uh, very, very clean match and, and an excellent job uh, from that center referee, uh, Guido Gonzalez Jr., uh, that's my perspective, anyway. No, I think I think he he kept it consistent. Um, some of the calls, you know, maybe some of the rising fans weren't glad that some fouls weren't called, but I don't think he was he was he was calling it both ways. The actual stat, by the way, was seven fouls per team, one yellow card per team, exactly even. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and to get to the drug, but yellow card, yes, it's always worrying to see him get that early yellow card because we all know he plays, you know, with his heart on his sleeve, with a lot of emotion, and does get into precarious situations from time to time. So a second yellow was definitely not out of the question, but, you know, he kept it clean, and I think he had the referee's respect, and um, it turned out just fine. So nothing to be too worried about looking back. A couple final thoughts or uh, final observations here. Uh, very similar to the Timbers match, Phoenix Rising dragged in uh, in possession. Actually had possession only 30%. Swope had, had possession 70% of the time. Now Swope was playing from behind for a good chunk of that second half. Um, so Phoenix maybe may have been bunkering a little bit there. Uh, not doing as many, uh, as many runs or holding possession as much. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Swope... Uh, not quite tripled the number of total passes that Rising had. And we were expecting that. Rising had 274 total passes. Uh, Swope, 645. And that's part of this their style of play. Uh, they just hold they, they hold control of the ball, and they really look to pick apart uh, an off, uh, pick apart the defense, and they weren't able to do it versus us. So uh, statistical categories, if you look at these stats, you would say Swope must have won this match, but... 
they didn't. So uh, what are some of your final thoughts on the match, Kyle? I mean, that's kind of the style that Phoenix Rising has grown to play. You know, we, we might not dominate the possession, but we will get great opportunities, and we typically will convert on them. And on the counter, we're, you know, one of the most dangerous teams in the USL. So, um, you know, it's it's not really something to be too concerned with from a Phoenix Rising standpoint because we're kind of used to it. But as you said, from an outsider perspective, it does look as if maybe we got a little lucky. But, I mean, that's definitely not the case if you look at the actual scoring opportunities in the match. Um, Phoenix definitely, you know, had the better of them and just converted them. So I think it was great to see the defense. They really shut it down, like you said, just didn't allow any great shots in the box. Just really just tightened it up in that second half, stayed compact, and just made it difficult for Slope to get that final touch, get that final opportunity. And, um, you know, we, we were able to just grind out a tough, tough match. Yeah. So before we uh, <clears throat> before we head on to do a short, a short uh, quick preview for the OC game, just want to mention your Firebird soccer calendar. Uh there's only one one match remaining on on our Firebird soccer calendar. Uh, earlier today, on Sunday here, GCU men beat yet another nationally ranked squad when they beat Air Force Academy one to nothing. Uh, and our final uh, collegiate match here in the Phoenix area is the ASU women taking on the University of Arizona. So Friday night on Friday the 2nd, if you have a chance to go out and watch the Sun Devils uh, whoop up on the Wildcats, actually I have no idea, uh, but uh, we do have one more match here in the Phoenix area, and uh, that is going to be a great rivalry match over at the Sun Devil Soccer Complex at Arizona State University. But, of course, the big match, uh, which is going to be filled Section 13 of the Championship Stadium at the Great Park in Irvine, California, is going to be filled with Arizona or with uh, uh, Phoenix Rising fans. Uh, Phoenix Rising fans, if you don't have your tickets yet and you're planning on going, the recommendation is to get tickets in Section 13. Please keep in mind that is going to be the section uh, up at the front. The Red Fury and the Banditos are going to be up there. They're going to be bringing their drums. Uh, they're Maybe bringing smoke, I, I maybe not, I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but Section 13 is going to be the Phoenix Rising uh, section for the match against Orange County. Kyle, what are we going to be looking at uh, out at the Championship Stadium, out, or Champion Stadium out there, the OC Great Park? Uh, it's a really nice facility, actually. I went out there last season, and um, I mean, just, just very nice, great, great atmosphere, Maybe not, the, maybe not always filled with the most fans, but I think there will be a huge Phoenix Rising in attendance. I think there's going to be, you know, so many fans that are taking the trip, whether with the team on the buses that are free. I definitely hop on those right now. Those will fill up quick, I'm sure. But, um, I mean, it's just a short enough trip that I think a lot of people are willing to make it. And I really expect to see a great Phoenix Rising contingent there. I'm unfortunately not going to be able to make it, but um, just I think this is going to be a great match. I mean, they're a team that we've stacked up so well against. When you look at you know the record this season, it's one one and one. You know we've we've won one, lost one, and drawn one against Orange County, and it's always been a tightly game against them. And I mean that's just been how it's been against them for the past few seasons. If you go back to even you know, the Arizona United days, we always had tight matches with Orange County. And so I think it's fitting that this is who we play in our first Western Conference final. And I really like Phoenix's chances because Orange County is a team that they possess just like Swope does. And while they may have more goal scoring talent, I think Phoenix still has the ability to lock down, play great defense and catch them on the counter with our highly skilled players. Yeah, I was. Uh, re I, I watched just a little bit of the match uh, last night versus Reno as Orange County prevailed uh, one to nothing against Reno off of a a, a fairly early 29th minute goal uh, by Aiden Quinn off of a Michael Seaton assist. And ultimately, you know, my my key to the match is really shutting down Michael Seaton. Uh, Michael Seaton had this this assist so that uh, uh, Quinn was able to score. The prior playoff game against St. Louis, St. Louis known for its defense, known for playing teams tight. Seton had a hat trick. Uh, so Seton is, is really in great form at the moment. Uh, so if we're able to con 
control him and slow down Aiden Quinn, I think we're gonna we're gonna have a nice uh, a nice match. But this is a very high scoring offense. They're very aggressive. Uh, they have good passing. It's a very talented team. They do play in a four four one one shape for the most part, uh, which is a, which is a kind of a an interesting sh- well. I mean, it depends on how they're playing playing the midfielders, uh, but that's what we're we're going to be up against. And uh, they have some speed on the outside with Darwin Jones as well. Um, and, and of course, Thomas Innovoldson, who is a fantastic finisher. So it's going to be a really incredible game. I think we can probably take away some of the home field advantage. They only they had 4,000 that showed up to the to the conference semifinal match. Uh, I don't even know if that's sh- that's what showed up. That's what they've reported yeah, as their attendance. Say, I think that's including everyone that was working and the groundskeepers. They were having a little bit of a beer fest, so that could have included the bartenders. Oh, okay. Yeah, that could have been it too. Yeah, I mean, it, it is going to be crawling, I think. And, and like you said, try to get Section 13, but if you don't, don't feel bad about it because I think we can get all over this Orange County Stadium and turn it red. And, I mean, I'm just looking forward to seeing that on TV. I think that's really going to show not only the rest of the USL but MLS. This team, we support out of state as well. We'll travel to follow our club. And, um, I mean, I'm just so pumped to really see the Phoenix Rising fans get out there. And it's, like you said, it's going to be a tough match. I really think it's going to be decided by one goal. It's going to be a one-goal margin. It's really going to be tight. It's going to be just, you know, it's going to be whoever converts their opportunities. And I think Phoenix, as long as we can play the defense that we did against Swope, I really, really like our chances because Orange County, they really did not push against Reno. I think Reno, had they had maybe one or two better opportunities, could have tied that game up and taken it to extra time. And I think a team like Phoenix, had we been in that situation, we most definitely would have. I think we could have even gotten two goals to win it in regular time. So um, I really like our opportunity. I think that Orange County, they've had a great season, but I think that as far as run of form right now, I think Phoenix might be in a better run of form um, just because we've been doing so much right. But uh, we'll see how it plays out on Saturday. Absolutely. And, and I was really surprised. I actually... Uh, my money was on Reno winning this match because they've has they've had such a great run of form as of late. Um, you know, they were they were actually undefeated uh, in their past uh, six uh, six matches heading into this uh, uh, into the match against Orange County. Of course, Orange County was also five uh, five and one, so they'd only had one loss. Uh, everybody's just playing playing great ball, and it's really exciting to see what's going on in the USL, in these USL playoffs, uh, and, and really that anybody can win at any time. Uh, here we were able to pick up a, a, sec, a second home playoff match because a lower seed beat a higher seed. Uh, we also have a uh, um, the best team in the league, the lead, the, the team that dominated the that crow oh, that the team that crushed this league um, as the tifo said for FC Cincinnati uh, drops a match and now they get to watch the rest of the playoffs even though they had gone something like an obscene like 27 games 27 wins in a row uh, and they drop drop the match zero to one against Red Bulls too or the baby Bulls so this is just a fantastic playoff so far. It's been great to watch. Uh, thank God for the ESPN Plus app. It's just fantastic. Uh, no, they are not sponsors, folks. No, they're not sponsors. But uh, it, it's just one of the best ways to, to feed your soccer obsession. So, um, you know, that's pretty much it for me. I don't have anything else to say until next week. Uh, Mark Murray is going to be out in Orange County covering the game for Firebird Soccer. Uh, so we're really excited that he's going to be out there. And thank you uh, to the team for putting together free some some amount of free buses. Maybe they're they're going to have to realize they need about 10 buses. Uh, but there's there's going to be at least two buses that are going to be taking people out there. And that really shows awesome fan support from the team. Uh, fans are here to support the team, and the team is now showing that they're supporting the fans too, uh, and and it is greatly appreciated. Yeah, absolutely, and it's what we've seen from this ownership group in the front office from the beginning. 
just class. You know, they want they want the you know the fans to love this team as much as they do. And um, I mean, just to be able to see them actually, you know, showing it through actions and getting as many fans as they can out there, encouraging people to come by offering, you know, a, a way there and back overnight, not even having to stay the night there. Um, just awesome. I'm, I'm just so excited, honestly. I mean, that's, I don't have too much more to say. I mean, really, this is the point that the guys got to do their best in training, just keep doing what they've been doing. And I mean, it, it's just, this is when the hard work pays off, you know? I mean, they just, they got to be excited. They need to enjoy this moment. I mean, Phoenix Rising is in the Western Conference Final. I don't think anyone would have believed that come the start of the season. I mean, we all talked about the USL Cup being the goal. And yeah, I think we all realized that, yeah, it was possible. But now we're really seeing that it's, I mean, it's right there. We're two games away. You know, 120, possibly 240 minutes away from winning the USL Cup completely outright. So, I mean, it's just, it's insane to be at this point in the season. And for so many, uh, so many old uh, Arizona United fans and Phoenix Wolves fans, uh, this is just something that, that's, you know, uh, paying off a lot of investment time. For the newer fans, this is something that helps to get them hooked in. Uh, for the supporters who have worked so worked so hard uh, making TIFO, doing chants, uh, doing co- uh, getting together to do coordinated cheers, uh, really starting from the beginning of the season uh, as they, when they coordinated uh, uh, supporter section uh, in the U.S. Open Cup match against Sporting up until now. It's just a great payoff uh, to be able to see kind of what's going on. So, for the Rising is One podcast, I'm Aaron Blau uh, saying use the hashtag Irvine Invasion, wear red, and hope that you all enjoy an awesome, awesome match as Phoenix Rising takes on Orange County next Saturday, November 3rd. Uh, and uh, hey, Uprising. Yeah, Uprising. <laughs> We'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.